perhaps next year we will see those customer numbers slowly start to grow. But I think for us in a, in a communication sense, nothing changes in that we still need to not only provide a safe and reliable service as a business, but we need to remind our customers that they are still safe with us, and they are. Content. What are you doing about your content in this content-led culture in which we all live in? How are you thinking about how you'll position your organisation now that you are in fact a media company? The factors of media production and distribution have been democratised. But how are you thinking about content? That grab that started the program was Vanessa Grimm, and you can see very clearly how Sydney Trains is thinking about their content. Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. Today, I am joined by Vanessa Grimm, who is the Associate Director of Media and Government Relations at Sydney Trains. Before working in communications, Vanessa had decades working at the highest levels of Australian news media. She spent 13 years as a journalist working in the news team at Sky News, at Nine News in Sydney and the ABC. And she was also the inaugural executive producer of Sky News flagship political program, Agenda. And she also, and I was very grateful that she did, participated in this year's Gov comms festival so a great conversation there if you want to watch that panel conversation which i would highly commend that you do please visit the GovComs institute website to find that recording she joins me now on the line of vanessa welcome to GovComs. oh thank you for having me Hey, listen, Vanessa, I'm, I'm interested, but perhaps before we get into the sort of content side of things and the storytelling side of things, um, I, I heard something the other day which was, was fascinating, you know, talking about various public uh, transport networks around the world and the challenges of public uh, transport networks around the world, given we are now, in, you know, in this COVID period. Um, and this particular um, story that I was listening to was on the BBC about the New York uh, transit system and how the loads had obviously been shredded by COVID. Clearly, North America, things are a lot worse than they are in Australia. But what was Sydney Trains' experience um, through the COVID period and how did you manage it as a business? Well, look, it's it's an unusual situation when you are trying to convince people not to use your product or your service, which is what we had to do as part of a, a broader transport strategy. I mean, one thing that didn't change was our focus on the customer, but everything else virtually did. You know, the overarching communication for, for our customers and for our staff became one of safety and following the New South Wales health guidelines. 
um, you know, our, our, our overarching communication strategy is always tied to, I guess, our corporate strategy pillars at Sydney Trains, for instance, you know, safety of the core, operational excellence every day. Um, and, and that didn't change, particularly safety at the core. But, the, the you know, the COVID curveball was, was really, I guess, an interesting one for us because in, in the media and government space, um, we produce, you know, a lot of content, um, you know, on our digital channels and our BAU is really one-third reactionary in terms of media inquiries relating to incidents or issues, reports for gippers, FOIs, standing orders. Um, we one-third proactive stories, telling the stories of Sydney trains, pitching those to media and also one-third implementation of, of strategy and, and reporting and stakeholder management. So when COVID hit, we really went from 1.4 million people travelling on our network um, every day, each with a video camera in their pockets and various incidents to, to virtually ghost trains. So, look, it, it really represented a unique opportunity for us. I won't use the P word, um, but for us to switch focus, we had more bandwidth to focus on our frontline workers to really tell tell their stories of what they're doing. I think we had a, we had a social media campaign that was, while we've never been this quiet, I don't think that patronage went down to records not seen since the 1920s, we've never been this busy. So we tried to tell the story of not only communicating the New South Wales health advice through, and we had a special uh, transport COVID task force that, that was really spearheading this particular um, communication that was required to the public at that time. But for us, it was about showing that during this time, during this lockdown, our frontline workers still had to be out there, like a lot of frontline workers, cleaners, um, customer service attendants, rail guards, rail drivers, and many of them um, were at, uh, unfortunately, at, at the, the receiving end of a lot of community angst for those that, that were catching the trains, that were spitting incidents and that sort of thing. So we really set about demonstrating during this time when everyone's in lockdown, this quiet time, we're still incredibly busy, a cleaning army of a thousand people, installing hand sanitizers, playing the last post at stations so our, our those essential workers that still had to keep catching the trains could mark occasions like that. Um, you know, we use that time to improve, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of maintenance because there weren't, um, we were running just as many services um, so people could, could socially distance, just without as many people on them. So that was that was really a, a core focus of, of the team at that time. So what worked best if we sort of segment this this challenge and obviously it's a it's it's a vast challenge, but what worked best um, in terms of engaging with staff? How how were you able to to get the message to staff to keep them on task as you um, exactly described that they had to keep turning up keep doing the work how you know what was the plan to to keep them um being productive city trains is an organization with eleven thousand employees and all at different levels so we use different channels so while we have for those staff that might not have um, they might not be sitting behind a computer obviously looking at their emails um they will they'll that, that will come down to a manager conversation. We have Workplace, which we often use um, as, a, as, I guess, an informal tool. But 
there is those formal communications through through emails, through seminars, um, but even just you know what we find with a lot of those frontline crews having those manager face to face work quite effectively. We also um, have 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 various you know your usual tools of, of of internal employee communication, but we really wanted to we think by celebrating our workforce in a very public forum through through social media through through a few corporate videos, um, and a few media pictures of of demonstrating people that we've employed as cleaners that were previously out of work. We were sort of telling that story internally, but also cr- creating that sense of pride in being a part of that frontline workforce at what was, you know, we we're only talking a couple of months ago, but it was really scary. It was scary for, for all of us, really, because we didn't know what was ahead and we were, you know, at the height of the lockdown, this was really important for us um, to make sure that everyone felt as though they had the right, not only celebration of what they were doing, but the right health advice through through directing them onto the New South Wales health channels, which which was the source of, of inf- which really had to be the primary source of information at that time, because that health advice was changing, um, sometimes on a on a weekly basis. Mm. And uh, you know the other segment there, you described that one point four million people who are regular users, and as you uh, identified, that they carry those mobile. Uh, communication uh, studios in their pockets. Um, you said that you were able to get it down to traffic levels at, um, you know, the 90, 1920s level. Were you were you as effective as you wanted to be in in stopping people or discouraging people from using your service? And again, what worked best in getting to them and influencing them? We had a there was a transport transport COVID task force that was. Um, primarily responsible for communicating that both um, and that was done through messaging through media conferences with the minister and the premier so that was sort of that the top tier but I think it was a hugely it was hugely successful that not only were we able to roll out a series of of there was a green dots campaign indicating where people could could and couldn't sit. There was obviously massive marketing campaigns pointing to um, following the health advice in terms of of, of you know using hand sanitizer. That was rolled out at 165 stations. We had uh, customer and transport marshals. We hired a whole bunch of of people and re- redeployed people to essentially be the eyes and ears, making sure that people were um, following the guidelines. They didn't have obviously they didn't have uh, policing powers, but it was certainly um, a real-time, um, uh, I, I guess, ability to control that. We develop, we use that time to innovate an app in, over, over a weekend, which was able to monitor uh, customer numbers um, on on carriages, so people could better plan their trip and know where they couldn't sit and where the people were on on the train to allow them to socially distance. So there was this huge kind of at a time of crisis, like so many areas of of the country, there was this huge surge in innovation and and uh, I guess coming together to 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 really communicate that. So which of the channels then, again, if I could ask you to pick a favourite or one that you really felt um, did, did the trick uh, in terms of that segment of the audience, that travelling public? What was the best channel? Yeah. What, 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 did, well, what surprised you? What, what perhaps, you know, through all of that mix, 
Was there anything that you thought, oh, okay, I wouldn't have thought that was going to work, but that worked really well. It could have been the marshals on the train. It could have been that app. That app, you know, that sounds like a, you know, an extraordinary effort to be able to turn up something that is able to be of value to the customer, you know, in, in that shorter period of time. Look, I think a lot of a lot of essential workers um, are probably in more of that a more social media. I'm making a mass generalisation here, but I think social media once again really stood up to the plate. Um, and I think that there was a lot of uh, – the, the sh- people were hungry for what is the latest advice and there was a lot of sharing um, of, of those main messages and content, which I think, you know, didn't surprise me, but I, get, I think once again proved that, that while it's not a cure-all, it certainly um, has a place in, 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 in communication strategies moving forward. So, um, a few months on, and and happily in this part of the world, we have uh, done a, a you know a very good job across the country of getting things uh, under control. And certainly, my best wishes and our best wishes here at GovComs uh, Festival to our uh, audiences all around the world. For those who who are doing it a lot, lot, lot tougher than we are, our best. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers with you all as you as you deal with that. But as we return to normal here in this part of the world, where where are you at now? When you go back to that, um, you know, that one point four million figure, um, you know, the bias of your team towards you know providing you know useful, relevant, consistent information uh, to meet the needs of the travelling customer. Where where are you? Uh, in terms of your recovery back to, you know, what perhaps might be seen as a steady state and what changes now for you as a result of what has happened? I think we're still seeing, and as you, you know, everyone would be experiencing this, we haven't seen patronage numbers go back to what they were because I think that was that there was a fundamental shift in everyone's attitudes to pe- the ability of people to effectively work from home. Um, that's just sort of in a ways of working conversation, um, and so that we're not seeing as many, I guess. Look, a lot of our incidents come down to the human factor that there are so many people at any one time travelling um, on a train across the state, um, and also weather and weather impacts. So we're not seeing as many of those sort of, I guess, reactionary comms that we're having to to to, to deal with in in a media and government relations space. But I think that for us, it's it's adapt. We have adapted to that. We have become more agile. I think that you know we're not we're physically as as a as a communications branch more separated, but we're 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 more closer together. So I think it's it's really is is regrouping. You know we're having we've had a very um, busy period as we look down the barrel of of I guess Christmas being imminent and I think it's it's again a, a unique chance um, and we I know with the news today that they're, that they're successfully um, trialing vaccines which is going to mean you know perhaps next year we will see those customer numbers slowly start to grow but I think for us in, in, a, in a communication sense nothing changes in that we still need to not only provide a safe and reliable service as a business, but we need to remind our customers that they are still safe with us, and they are. Mm. So in terms of that 
um, agility, that increased agility, perhaps even inside your team where those, you know, traditional silos existed where, you know, I do internal comms, I do marketing, I do PR, I do social, et cetera, I do content. You know, where, where was the, what did the shock do um, to, the, to the way that your teams work together? How, where, what was the, the sort of uh, evolution that, that took place there? So we do have we do we have our fair of our share of, of, of generalists and specialists, but I think that um, there was a lot more, I guess, rallying behind the need to become more proactive in that space. I think that we have, I mean, I think we've, we've taken on a couple of new projects as well, but I think our there wasn't. We've never really been a team that's had my turf, your turf. We've often encouraged members of the team to explore and go on to comment to different parts of the business. So, people that might have had, um, you know, a few corporate comms uh, skills or, or social skills have often kind of interchange roles to, to see how the other half lives, I guess, in that space and also upskill, um, which is a great thing. So for us, it hasn't changed significantly but I think that we're we're probably a lot more prepared for you know for, to lean in and lean out on on our various functions and so so with that could you perhaps outline what does your team look like at the moment how many people do you have what where in which buckets are they notionally allocated and what sort of external service provision do you supplement your internal resources with? So, in we're part of a, 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 a my team is a team of of ten, which has government relations and social media and general media a general media team, but we're also part of a broader team which has um, in internal media, employee comms, corporate comms. Um, and as part of a transport structure, we also have um, marketing, stakeholder engagement. So uh, we do we do a lot as part of a, a small but perfectly formed group within Sydney Trains. Um, but we're also part of a, a broader sort of transport. Um, we feed into a, as an agency. We feed into the broader sort of New South Wales transport communication structure. Yeah, right. Okay. So listen, I'm, I'm intrigued also by, um, you know, this acceleration um, and, and this ability now to be thinking about content and thinking about your, your audience and your customer. And, and I love the focus that you've got through this conversation around that anchoring point of the need of the customer and being able to understand what that is and to be able to quickly to adapt to meet the particular need, whatever that may be. Um, and again, we've had this massive shock where all of a sudden you were doing one lot of work and you know you needed very quickly to move to the next. But we now have this position where through COVID, uh, you know, digital, digital transformation, change in behaviour, more people spending time online. You mentioned the 1.4 million people carrying those not only, you know, distributing um, devices in their pocket, but, a re- you know, they're a very powerful reception device as well. And there's nothing like when you, you get onto a Sydney train or any train anywhere or a tram and what are people doing? They've, they've got their heads buried in their screens. This represents a, a huge opportunity um, for organisations such as Sydney trains. So how are you thinking 
about content and how are you thinking about using that capability now, particularly um, looking at your background as a content creator, as a journalist, as someone who's been in the storytelling business for a long time? I think we're we're very much about creating shareable. Um, I hate that word because it's used so much. I don't know if, if if this is in your sphere, but but shareable content. Um, but that also it's got to be my my. Just to, sorry to interrupt you. Not only do shareable, I don't like snackable. <laughs> I, I just I don't. I'll, I'll bite you. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using snackable. That's much much nicer. No, <laughs> I will reach for. I quite see the, when when anyone ever says to me snackable, snackable. it's like oh please. <laughs> oh, you're too many too many. Anyway, it's, it's many uh, millennials, obviously. Um, <laughs> I look. I think that. At the end of the day, I have we, we have an amazing social media team. Um, we also have a separate Twitter team. So we have an operational Twitter team that is there responding to customers that have different handles according to the T1 or the T9, the different lines, you know. Um, but in, in, a, in a content sense, we um, are very much – we produce a lot of, a lot of videos um, that are often short, often long, never really – we, we, we have a, we, we produce slick for LinkedIn, but for social, and we're just about to launch a, our Instagram after a lot of um, wrangling and uh, foot stamping on my behalf and, and, and our Instagram account um, because, you know, it's only us fogies on Facebook anymore. Um, so that, that there has to be raw. It has to be organic. It has to be real. It can't be preachy. And it, it, you know, you can't teach a lot of that. I and mean, to have someone that understands an audience and can um, make those videos and those, you know, irreverent kind of very Australian posts. Um, and we have an incredible social media guy, and our engagement's gone up something like sixty-five percent in the last two years. So that's capturing that that audience um, because um, in in government organisations, getting um, you know, having the approval process and the the, the the conflicting ideas on what represents good comms can often be um, can often uh, be an, an, a barrier, I guess, to reaching those people. And so we we are using um, social media more and more that we have a, um, a bit more ability to be real and to be engaging um, and. Uh, we're finding that that's we're getting you know um, an incredible brand recognition through that, but also the ability to to tell the story of of our people and and convey important information um, to our customers as well. Okay, I can the audience. Everyone's just sat up and spoke. You know, thought to themselves, "Ah, uh-huh, okay. How have you solved that problem? How have you got the approvals process? How have you been able?" to convince risk-averse executives that the world's not going to end <laughs> if we take a, uh, a, a, again, as you say, a more authentic, a more responsive, a more customer-centred, a faster, perhaps more humorous approach to that, you know, content, which is obviously the content that works, that connects, that's real. I call it the big kahuna factor. Um, it's it's going, 
it's having a champion within your organisation, within your business, at, at a most senior level. In our case, it's it's the the chief executive, um, and and our most recent one and our former one, um, recent one Susanna Holden, and our former one Howard Collins, to be an advocate to have that conversation for me to have that relationship with them where they trust me, and um, and and to give your 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 creatives, I guess, the autonomy to to be themselves and to and to create that content because they often know best and we sometimes we don't let people who know best do their thing. So it's just a trust relationship that you have to build and not only provide value but demonstrate to the business through your analytics um, how the engagement and how that 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 their that their priorities, their strategies, are aligned with this, you know, with this new medium, be it Instagram, um, and also point to the benefits of, of of recruitment. You know, of of you know, when we we have massive apprentice drives, you know, for hundreds of apprentices or train drivers, that's you know, those people are, are they're not going through the newspapers or watching the seven pm news. They're on Instagram. They're, I mean, they're, we're not we're not at TikTok yet, and God forbid we ever get there. But you know, that is where you find them. And if you want the best of the best, you're going to have to rethink how we do business, not just in comms, but you know, in in a in a in a people and an HR perspective as well. So let's go unpack that one a little bit more as well. So Big Kahuna, did you have to convince Big Kahuna, or was Big Kahuna already there before you had I to think- convince him? I think all her. big kahunas need, um, don't, need, don't need a lot of convincing once they can see the benefits. And I also think I have this phrase to, to executives that they just need to let the white white noise of, of social media wash over them because, you know, in the words of Tay-Tay, haters got to hate um, and a lot of the people who love what you do aren't going to be, you know, on the echo chamber necessarily of Twitter um, but you will see it, um, where, you know, if I take them onto the moderation pages, you will see it and you will see the thank yous. Um, and you will see it in when you talk to, you know, your, your 11,000 employees who are, who are mainstream media isn't going to pick up um, on, on the little good things that they're doing, be it, you know, reuniting little John with his lost teddy or, you know, Muso with, with his song lyrics and going the extra mile and, you know, work, you know working extra to do that. So, um, you know, that is where it's, it's, it's true. It's true beauty lies. I mean, we do a lot of TV, we, we pitch a lot of TV stories on a weekly basis to both TV and news and, and they're great, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's never going to have that real resonation like social media. Are you doing less of that? No, not really. Um, we, 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 keep, we keep that up on a fairly we, – we, you know, we have multiple stories to tell um, and we are a, a massive business. So there's always new innovation. There's, it's an old network, um, but we're always thinking about, you know, new ways of doing things um, every day. I mean, for instance, we have even little things like we've, there was a corgi trapped under rail lines for nine days that was rescued. We donate, uh, we, we, there's, you know, out, there's 1,600 kilometres of track and we're donating or bamboo that we discovered, you know, our environmental guys discovered this bamboo that they've linked to the fact that 
was could be food for red pandas. So they reached out to the zoo and now we're feeding pandas, you know. Um, so there was this whole choo-choo for the zoo. So there's always, you know, there's always something. If you look, you know, if you're not, if you're not even in COVID, if you're not finding those stories of your organisations to tell, then you're not doing your job. How, and well, I suppose this is a question more than a statement, but, uh, and it's a presumption, I suppose, but you mentioned the 11,000 um, employees that you have, you know, that's a powerful network, you know, because each of them has a, has, has a network that they can communicate with as well. How are you activating the, um, this, this vast um, staff that you have? And indeed, are you moving um, some of your storytelling capability to the edges uh, in order for Sydney trains to be more responsive to those, you know, those local audiences rather than having to gateway everything back through the centre? So we have uh, so our we have uh, different branches, and they each have um, like a communication or a business partner. Um, we also we, we have a, a Sydney Trains Weekly, which is and, and workplace. So there's often a, this is a, a sharing of, of stories through that, and there's also um, through those channels we regularly connect with people and ask them to share their stories. And um, like workplace has become. Um, massive, absolutely massive um, in, in within transport. Um, and it's, again, people... Now, sorry, and workplaces, is that your intranet or it's yes, an no, internal is, publication, publication? So Workplace is... Um, is, is an entity of – is a corporate, I guess, entity of Facebook. So it is something it, – it, to all accounts, it would look like Facebook, but it's just for staff. So it's a way of um, – a bit like, I guess, Yammer, um, but it's, it's a way of people sharing their stories. There are different groups, be it, you know, train crowing or there's a dog lovers group, which I'm a part of, um, or there's a histori- you know, his- history buff. So there's all these different groups and a general. So there there is a, a mass, I guess, sharing of stories, which we often use as a way of um, we find out some of the good news stories of, of our people or the business through that because it somehow hasn't worked its way up through official channels, um, uh, like new, new engineering solutions or even little things. So that and that people feel as though they're not being we use that as well as a communication tool, obviously, um, but it, it's not a it's not a preachy, it's not a standard. You must do this. It's a hey, this is the latest advice, or it's time for your health check if you want one. Um, and here's you know this reminder, you know here's our here's our counselling service if you need it. So it's there is a a real sense of ownership um, um, in it. And that they're they're part of something, not necessarily being preached to, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it does. Um, Now, listen, just uh, again, just to sort of close out um, your big Kahuna strategy, because I think there's (laughs) something there that you that you alluded to as well. Patent pending. Is is the selling of the success, particularly into sort of those um, you know senior executive areas? And being able to connect what you're doing to the problems that they're dealing with on a daily basis to enable to sort of grease and oil the the system so they understand that it's not frivolous. Um, but here's the success. Here's and you mentioned it um, earlier around strategically being linked to pillars. 
that you're actually selling your successes back into the business to say, hey, you know, here here is how we're um, making a contribution, which is obviously having a, an effect in lessening the the numbers of approvals or sign-offs or other things and getting more people more excited, in fact, about the potential of this sort of content-led approach, which is, you know, helping to drive performance across the organisation. We often... It's very easy, like you say, to say, I'm just so busy, I don't have time to put together that analytics or that report. But, you know, we can't just do a good job. We have to demonstrate the value in doing a good job. And for us, we obviously have not only convincing the business, but as a government agency, we we have um, government stakeholders, you know, that are responsible um, for for, for budgeting and and, and the like. So unless we can can demonstrate, which I think we have done – that we are we're not only delivering, but we're we we are meeting our targets and then some. So I think that I, I I have found though that most most senior executives get it um, only when they when they and particularly the fact that I guess the flip point of this is that they want it. Everyone then wants the over communication. It's convincing, you know, convincing someone that yes, the trains are running on time at times, but that's you know, um, we, we, we don't, we don't. There's no one on them, you know, and that's not a story. Um, so there's that, you know, the yin and the yang of yeah, we, yes, we need to 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 talk to to our our performance, but you know, within within. What 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 is the part? I guess the the hotel test of 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 what's normal and what's not. Mm. Now listen, um, a little bird tells me that this sort of expanding empire of yours is moving into uh, television production, and perhaps there's a a reality television show on the way. And this is see this evolving model as I as I sort of alluded to at the beginning of the show. Is it this is where we're heading? You know, every organisation, every every government department, every brand, every not-for-profit is now in the media business, whether they like it or not. Now, you can do with that what you will. Um, and clearly, you know, there's a, a, an enormous emphasis on there at Sydney Trains. But I love this topspin where you're now moving sort of down that path, you know, as, you know, um, the Department of um, what well, used to be customs back in the day when they started Border Force all those years ago where they they turned, you know, um, traffic at Sydney Airport into a, you know, long-running successful um, reality television show and we've seen, all, you know, all the cop shows and the um, ambulance shows and the paramedic shows and all the rest of it. But but you're moving into it. You're making a show about Central Station, I believe. Yes. So it's the working title is Inside Central Station. Um, we've allowed one of Australia's largest production companies uh, to film a, a fly on the wall documentary series, I guess, as you say, a little bit, think of a train version of, of all the airport shows. Um, they, the production company started filming a month ago. So for commercial reasons, I can't, I can't say their name because the market hasn't been informed yet, but I, I can tell you um, it's been, it's been a bit of a ride. <laughs> It's it's taken us, I guess, two years to get to this point. Um, the production company first approached me about two and a half years ago. I think I just started started in the position, and it, and it was a hard no at the time. Um, but we, we sort of spent six months locking in a legal deed of access with some fairly tight editorial controls. Um, an Australian broadcaster signed on a couple of months ago. We now have a UK, German, and a New Zealand partner. So it's um, 
I guess for us this represents yes, uh, there is there is risk because we're we're allowing uh, TV crews um, while they are with a member of my team. Um, while they're out filming various parts of the business, we just thought this, we, you just, you can't pay for advertising like this. And it's, we're not getting paid, but it is for us a chance to show how incredible our, our, our workforce is. You know, they are, you've not met a, bun, a, 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 a more proud, passionate, dedicated bunch of people in your life. And they, they do it with little fanfare often. Um, and they, you know, whether it's, if, whether it's working to repair a bit of track or, um, as I said before, just the little daily things that they do. We have paramedics. We have, we have RIRU, which, is a, which are um, firefighters and fire engines. We have engineers. We have people that work on mine sites. And it's, you know, to show, to show people how they do, what they do. And for us, it's also an opportunity to show why if there's bad weather it's a you know it's a 165 year old network that's often susceptible to the elements and if trains aren't where they need to be or people aren't where they need to be through no fault of anyone it can it can all go very pear shape and we go into degraded mode and it's very difficult to explain the domino effect of what is a really intricate network but i think this is is an exciting opportunity to, to show that. So I, I hope so. You know, I hope so. Otherwise, I'm probably looking for a job in about a year's time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? And this, you know, for our listeners overseas, Central Station is the is the central station of the, the Sydney rail network. So it's where the trains, the metropolitan trains, the regional trains. Yes. So think um, Paddington. And it's this yeah, and it, it's yeah, exactly, um, or Grand Central Station. Um, but yeah, it's it is this. Uh, it sits high on a hill in Sydney. It's this beautiful um, colonial building. architecture, historic building. It's absolutely beautiful, and I think everyone has a Central Station story. Like I, my, and again, as soon as I, I saw that about Central Station, it took me back to. I've lived in Sydney, but I went to boarding school in the country. And at, on a Sunday night at 5.25, I used to catch the train, the Red Rattler back in those days. Oh, yes. From Sydney, you know, from platform number, I think it was number six, and we would head off, um, you know, d- down to um, to Barrel from Sydney uh, to go back to school. But that happened when we would return to school. Or if I was going to the uh, cricket ground, you'd catch the train. I lived on the North Shore. You catch the train into Central and you head up to the the, the local sports area. So everyone has a an experience, I think, of these central stations, wherever they are in the world, and everyone has a relationship. And I think this behind-the-scenes stuff, like I'll be intrigued to see that because I have a, a an emotional connection. I have a personal connection with the with the station, but I it's that television program is going to show me a lot and tell me a lot that I would never have seen. Um, and it will take. So yeah, I, I, look, I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be really interesting. And again, there are how many how many people go through Central Station on on any given day? Oh, it would be. Look, before COVID, it, it could be you know hundreds of thousands, but yeah. uh, we're talking thousands. And I was going to say, if you caught the red rattler from the country to Central, you would have been jockey fit by the time you arrived at, at Central, and probably <laughs> in need of a good hydration in summer in Australia. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, but, you know, it was in the dog boxes, we'd sit there and, and go on the trains and it was just so, it was, 
it was a great experience. But again, you know, that time of my life, I was a very young young person, and uh, you know, Central was a place that I would would come home to, or I would leave from. So there's a Again, I think railway stations are a quite a emotional sort of places because they relate yeah. to different parts of your of your life. And I think the fact that you're bringing it to life through a reality television show is a is is a great innovation. I'm sure it'll be a wonderful success. Oh, look, I think I think it will, and I think that there's uh, we're filming out at the Rock as well. But you remember Central Station is it's it's over an old an old gravesite as well, and they're building Metro mm-hmm. there at the moment. Um, and there's you know parts of that. There's disused tunnels. It's it's look they're they're out filming with drone pilots. There's just so many elements. But it, while Central will be the base, but they'll also be filming out at various parts of the network. We're shutting down uh, the Sydney Harbour Bridge for the rail the rail section of the Sydney Harbour Bridge for for ten days in January. Um, which is there's a huge pressure on the business to get that right. They'll there'll be a bit of tension. We close down, you know, parts of the network for maintenance work. So there's there's so many so many elements um, and there's these these small crews and I think they're becoming part of the furniture which which kind of terrifies me a little I'm, I'm breathing into a small brown paper bag at times when I think don't don't, don't want to know <laughs> you won't believe what they got today but again well, and, that's, um, and that's the other thing and their job is to push 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 as well that's yeah, and that's right. And we push back. I mean, we're having to again to have the support um, of our chief executive and senior executives um, has has meant it's it's we you know we, we again the approval process, and we'll have a you know we're, we're at the tail end no doubt we'll be having a few a few arguments, but which is why we fought so hard in a legal sense to have those sort of mitigation powers as part of as part of the deed of of cooperation. So is the plan to um, keep it running, like to, to have follow-on series over, over coming years or is it just a one set and forget that that's what it is? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't. I, I think I've got enough grey hairs at the moment. It's. It's. Uh, <laughs> we're telling. It's ten hours of, of bespoke television. It will go to where um, in Australia and probably um, overseas in Q three of next year. So um, at this stage, it is. It is just the one series. I mean, it's. It's. It's cannibalised a large part of the team. Um, um, but you know it, that's that's part of the business, and that's fine because we actually need to be there to be seeing and sign, getting people to sign waivers. And um, you know the team have become production officers by proxy in, in many ways. Um, but um, and also it's it's been we've learnt things about the business that we had no idea um, in many ways to have a business that large and 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 some pockets are are very good at communicating what they do. Um, and, and other pockets, not so much. That probably should really have a light um, shined on them. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's really exciting. I think it's going to be an amazing show, and um, oh, it's you know it's you don't get opportunities like this very often. Mm. Innovation, it's a wonderful thing, and a bit of risk taking. Um, it's a yeah intoxicating mix, and I certainly look forward to. Uh, looking at Central Station. Now, Vanessa, thanks so much. I'll, I'll wrap it up there because I've, we've gone a bit over time, but it's a, a great conversation and thank you very much for being uh, so open and transparent because I know the audience, you know, the purpose of this podcast really is for guests to share their story about what they're doing, what's working, what's not working. And I, even just that insight right at the end, by doing that television series, your team have picked up production skills, 
So, yes. you know, just by engaging that, that's developed more production skills. And so that's probably going to unlock more ideas. And okay, you might not be doing 10 hours worth of, you know, high quality television production, but someone's going to go, yeah, but hey, remember they did this and something else will roll from that. And again, that ability to innovate, take risk and, you know, but again, keep focusing on on that customer and delighting the customer and, and taking your story to the world. I just think that's a... That's a great story. So that's the purpose of the pod. Um, that was the purpose of the festival and uh, it will certainly be the purpose of the GovComps Institute as we look to help people build their skills in this rapidly evolving um, technology-driven um, content-led market that we're in. It's, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. So thank you for being so generous with your time today. And to you, the audience, thank you for coming back once again. Uh, just a plug uh, to the GovComs Institute. Make sure you just Google it up and go and have a look because all of the content from the GovComs Festival will be transitioned to the GovComs Institute. And I can tell you, it is an Aladdin's cave of value for people working in government and the public sector just to hear great stories and just to pick up one or two things that can help you just get a little bit better every day because that is the path to high performance. You're not going to leap out of bed and suddenly be, you know, Carl Lewis who can run 100 metres in 9.5, but you can be just a little bit better by taking on some of the uh, advice and wisdom um, shared during that wonderful 24-hour experience that we had a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, that's enough from me. Thanks again for turning up. We'll be back at the same time in a couple of weeks. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. 